end here, okay? So let's pray again. Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you that you are the one who is, who was, and is to come. And God, we pray for our Waterville campus right now, our new church plant. We pray for um, that you would grow that campus, Lord, as you have done here, Lord God. And I pray that you would bring people in who are hurting and, and hungry. And God, we pray for Pastor Joshua as he brings a word today. Lord, I think you would be powerful and anoint it. And God, I thank you for what you're doing here today as well. God, I pray for every single person that's here that they would feel uplifted, that they would feel encouraged, that they would know that they can do all things through Christ who gives them strength. God, I pray that you would give us ears to hear what your spirit is speaking through your word in Jesus' name. And God's people said, amen, amen. So good to be with you guys today. There's, you know, I love um, speaking. I, I kind of feel like an old school circuit preacher um, here lately going back and forth between the two campuses, but it's, it's a lot of fun, but there's nothing like being home. You know, God called us here, and uh, for those who don't know our story, we planted the church almost 11 years ago here now, but before then, <clears throat> Pastor Joshua and I were youth pastors and kids pastors in this building in a different church that was here that was meeting called uh, Solid Rock, and Pastor Keith asked us when he felt God called him to move the church to the east side, and it's called The Rock now with Pastor Carlos. But Pastor Keith asked us to stay behind and start all over. And when I think about that journey, I just think about how crazy it was. We were very young, not even but 25 at the time. Well, something like that, 25, 26. And, and when I think about when I found this church, it wasn't because I got uh, a flyer in the mail. It wasn't because someone invited me. I was actually praying and fasting, 19 years old, and uh, was going to U University of Toledo, and it was the first time ever that I was praying and fasting, and uh, just so happened to come on this fast because I was kind of looking for a church home, and I was at this church that was talking about fasting and praying, and it was a 30-day fast, and, and um, they taught me how to journal, and they said, journal and w what they did is they only ate breakfast and then they didn't eat nothing else for the rest of the day and they journaled and so I was doing that and I was pumping gas back then back in the day I grew up in the neighborhood over here so back in the day the gas station that's right right there used to be the Clark station yeah you all right and I was pumping gas and I looked over at this building and I said what is this building over here and I saw that it, it said Wednesday um it had a Wednesday family night and I thought huh I'm going to check it out. My name's Joy, and I had a friend that I went to college with, and her name was Harmony. And I said, Harmony, I mean, I mean, it almost sounds like a girl band or something, right? But I can't sing, so don't worry about that. Um, <laughs> but we were like, come on, let's go check out this church. And, and we came in, and you know, the first person that we met was Pastor Earl before he was Pastor Earl. How cool is that? I was, just, I was just going for a bike ride in the neighborhood, and we went down by the train tracks, and I was with my uh, middle son, and I was telling him about the neighborhood and about some of the history, and I was telling him a little bit about my life when I was, grew up over here. And I said, yeah, this is where I used to catch snakes. Mom, you caught snakes? Yeah, I stomp on snakes now, but back in the day, don't let these high heels fool you. Back in the day, I was a little bit of a tomboy, and I would catch some snakes. Now I'm like, ew, get those out of my house. They've been catching bugs and doing all kinds of stuff. My kids, I have four kids a blessing from God, but boy, they keep me on my toes. My um, <clears throat> daughter is doing, uh, how many of you guys did like a, a bug project when you were like an insect project when you were up and coming in, in school? Well, she's doing a, a project right now. And um, <laughs> she did not realize that in order to do this project, she has to actually kill the bugs. Like, cause it's like a lot of bugs. You can't just find all of them dead. And so her brother 
her middle, uh, my middle son was more than willing to help and was being the sweetheart that he is and was catching him. And I said, well, the best way, according to the paperwork, is to catch him, put him in a baggie, and put him in the freezer so you can keep him intact, so you can pin him on the little, yeah, I mean, it's nasty, I know, right? I don't know why they make us do this, but science, whatever. So um, <laughs> my, my, my middle son, and then did it, and, and my daughter has her cousin spend the night, and so, ooh, having two girls, I'd rather get rid of three, get, re- get ready three boys and two girls any day. But so she comes inside and she is distraught. I mean, she's like throwing herself on the ground. I don't want to. Those are God's creatures. So um, pray for me, y'all. I need a lot of grace. I need a lot of the spirit of God to help raise these kids because they keep me on my toes. I did have a teaching moment. I'm not going to lie to you guys. We, she, I don't even know how we share DNA because she was crying and I was laughing hysterically. I actually videotaped it, but I promised her that I would not put it on Facebook, even though I really wanted to. I know, don't judge. But before you judge me for laughing at my daughter for crying, I did get myself together after she got herself together. And we had a teaching moment of how God created her with that sensitive spirit for his people, not for bugs. <laughs> so God is good. Before we get started again, I want to um, send greetings from our, our worship leader and pastor, Pastor Dorinthia and, and, and her um, husband, Pastor Albert. Um, they were on vacation today, but if you have not, if you haven't already heard, she just made her, wrote her second book. It's called Next Four Steps to Get Unstuck and Walk into Purpose. And uh, this woman is an exhorter. She's a true woman of God. Get this book. It's on Amazon. Um, get it, get it, get it, because it's going to be an amazing book to encourage you. So I want to put that out there, too. And then if you see her, um, you know, just encourage her, too, because that's a lot of work to do that. And it's a lot of times when we do something awesome like that for God, the enemy comes in with an attack, and, and that counterattack, and sometimes we feel a little upset. So just give her some encouragement and love. I mean, we are honored that this is her church home, so bless her, okay? God is good. I'm super excited about this series that we have been. How many of you guys have been here for at least one other of this bulletproof series that we've been in? It has just been an amazing time of learning about God's word. So bulletproof is kind of our way, uh, nowadays way of saying, put on your full armor of God, which is found in Ephesians 6. God wants to you bulletproof from the enemy's attacks. See, the Bible says that the enemy comes in like a, a lion and he's seeking who he can devour. And he also sometimes comes in like an angel of light. So we need discernment in, the, in these last days because he's going to be shooting his flaming arrows to take you out. When a lot of times this false teaching in America, I call it easy believism. And what it is, is come to Jesus and, and he loves you so much. You don't have to change anything. And your life is going to be so awesome. You're going to be sliding down roses and skipping through uh, flowers, the fields of flowers. I mean, they don't really say that, but that's kind of how you feel. They're like, come to Jesus. All your bills are going to be paid. You're never going to have problems in your marriage and everything's going to be woo, wonderful. And, and we're left unequipped and realize that they're, you're going to come to Jesus. But the Bible says, if you love your life, you will lose your life. But if you lose your life for me, you will find your life. And so we, we're unequipped when the attacks happen because we've heard this, just come to Jesus and everything's going to be wonderful. And so when the enemy attacks, we're like, oh my goodness, this is not what I signed up for. And we fall away. And so friends, I want to tell you the truth today. It's not easy being a Christian. It is not easy doing the right thing when you want to do the wrong thing because everybody else is doing the wrong thing. It's not easy living upright in a world that's upside down. Come on, somebody. 
But friends, we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. And so we have to realize that he gives us some tools. And those tools are called the full armor of God. And we've been studying about the full armor of God. Um, we've already, we, we kind of gave a spiritual warfare one-on-one. We gave an intro into this. And then we got into it and we talked about the belt of truth, right? The first piece of armor that we have to put on. And then we talked about the breastplate of righteousness, And today, friends, we're going to talk about the shoes of peace. And so I want to open up with the scripture in Ephesians 6, 15. It says, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. I want to show you this picture of a Roman soldier's shoes. They're called greaves. And friends, we have to understand that when Paul wrote about the full armor of God, he was in prison. And so he was inspired by the soldiers that were around him and and, and the armor that they wore. And they had shoes that were quite interesting that I want to explain to you. We don't really understand how shoes can be a part of the armor, but they can be. And so let me explain how these shoes of the Roman soldiers were really a, a vicious weapon. And they were a defensive weapon. See, they began at the top and near the knee, and they extended down to the feet. So the part of the shoe was called the greaves, and it it was made to protect the leg. See, they were made of metal and were specially shaped to wrap around the calves of the soldier's legs. They were essential, friends, essential for safekeeping the soldier's leg. The shoe itself was made of a heavy piece of leather or metal tied together with leather straps, and they were intermingled with with bits of metal. The bottom was manufactured of a heavy heavy leather leather or pieces of metal shaped. They had like spikes. I wish I had another picture. I didn't have time to get it. Where There was some pictures that actually showed the spikes that are at the bottom of um, the shoe, kind of like, I kind of picture it like my boys play football and um, they have to have cleats. And as a matter of fact, um, my middle son, well, we didn't get cleats right away because, man, they grow so fast. I'm like, oh my goodness, the last size I had for you were size two and now you're a size five. Like, you're going to have to wait to payday, bro. Like, you know what I'm saying? But we got him before the first game. And so he has his cleats. And then my, but then my youngest son, you know, he has his cleats too. And, and if you have any boys in sports, I mean, with, with football or baseball, a lot of sports have to have shoes that have cleats so they can help them keep their ground when they're, you know, p- you know pushing back the other team. Well, they can also be dangerous because just yesterday, true story, not exaggerating, I was at a wedding. My oldest son, my teenager, was watching my younger two sons, and he called us up and said, Mom, don't be mad. That's never a good sign, friends. I said, what happened? He said they were just playing, but Justice kicked Jordan in the face with his cleats on. See, these, these, these uh, sh- shoes can be dangerous as well. So the, the armor here, they, these shoes had some spikes, not even just cleats. I'm talking spikes at the bottom of, of their shoe to help them stand them, their ground and not to get pushed back, but instead to push the enemy back. But they were also used, if need be, as a weapon if they had to kick the enemy down, friends. So this is the thing. We've got to realize that just in the same way as a Roman soldier had to have the right shoes on for war, that, friends, we have to have the right shoes on for the spiritual warfare that takes place all around us. 
In the same way, if we do not have peace in our lives, we are unable to move forward and we cannot stand our ground. Multiple times in the full armor of God where it's talking about putting on this and putting on that, Paul goes back and says, stand firm then. And after you've done everything, to stand. Friends, it's hard to stand for a long time without shoes on. Come on, somebody. See, when I was growing up, I had a little bit harder feet, and I can run outside and whatever. I I guess I had a little hillbilly in me, and I can run outside. And, you know, some of y'all can still probably run on rocks. Look at y'all. I I see you shaking your heads. But see, now that I've got older, I can't do all that. Like, i got to put my slippers on just to go outside or or house shoes on or some flip-flops or something. I can't just be walking around barefoot like I used to because my feet get a little bit more tender. But can you imagine a soldier trying to go into war without the proper shoes on, friends? The same way when we are fighting against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms because the battle is not with flesh and blood, we have to have proper shoes on so that we can stand our ground and we can push the enemy back. Amen? It's it's time to move forward with the gospel of peace. Peace makes you ready for your marching orders. See, the definition of readiness here, I want to break this down to you. It's the state of being fully prepared for something. Hmm. It's a willingness. It's being prepared mentally and physically for some experience or action. It's promptness. It's movement. It's quickness. It's prepared for service, action, progress, advancement. I believe the Bible says something about the kingdom of God forcefully advancing, friends. Yeah, I believe that the Bible says that the gates of Haiti cannot withstand against the church. Friends, that means we're supposed to literally snatch others from the fire. That we're supposed to be hearing the kingdom orders to forcefully advance. I'm not talking physically. I'm talking in the spiritual, friends. See, how can we advance without proper shoes? We've got to have our feet fitted. We have to be ready. And so today I have a question for you. Do you have the kind of peace that makes you ready? Do you have the kind of peace that makes you ready? As you came in this morning, hopefully you received a bulletin, and inside of it is what's called our talk it over sheet. I'm old school like that. I like to make notes, and there's some fill in the blanks. But we're going to talk today about five characteristics of peace that gets you ready for your marching orders. I want to know... Do you have the kind of peace that makes you ready? Because if you do, there's some characteristics. And we're going to break the word down. Ready is an, an acrostic. Number one, peace that makes you ready roots you. You're rooted. Peace that is rooted in Christ. See, when, when Christ gave a parable of the soil, because you can't, you can't always control the kind of soil that's out there in the world, but you can control the soil that's in your heart, friends. And the kind of good soil, it takes deep root. And if it doesn't, you're in trouble. Because Mark 4, 17 says this. But since they have no roots, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Mm. There's been too many times that I have seen people quickly fall away because they're not rooted in what they believe in. Don't let my youthfulness fool you. My husband and I have been doing this for nearly 20 years, and it's been too many times we've seen people who even started with us who, because they did not have deep roots, when trials and tribulations came, they fell away. 
They were all glory, hallelujah. But then when the attack came, they couldn't stand their ground because their roots were not deep. See, this is the thing, friends. We're always looking on the outside. We're always judging the outside of something, right? We, we look at a tree and we want to judge it just by its fruit, which is okay. Okay, but this is the thing. If the, if the tree has a bad fruit, it's because it has bad roots, friends. And we have to realize in a winter time, when we don't see fruit on a tree, it doesn't mean that that tree is not growing. It doesn't mean that that tree is not healthy because the time that the, the tree actually grows the most is in the climate that, that it's winter, when it feels like it's darkness, when it's cold, because what the tree has, how it's growing then is its roots are going down deeper so it can get nourishment from the ground, friends. And that's what we need to do. We need to be rooted. Some of us have got to learn to grow where you've been planted. But we can't do that when every time correction happens or every time we feel just a little bit uncomfortable or every time someone makes us feel just a little bit awkward, we're ready to run. Oh, but they, they go to church and they, may, they hurt my feelings. Well, the pastor didn't speak to me. Guess what? I got feelings too. Y'all hurt my feelings. I couldn't get up here and preach if I, if, if I was so sensitive if every time one of you people hurt my feelings. It is what it is, friends. We're human beings. You guys are human beings. We make mistakes. But it cannot shake me to the point that I'm ready to turn and run because my feelings got hurt. Because someone didn't call me when I was down. Because someone didn't... Listen, I'm not here... For anyone other than God, and you are here for God, and yes, God will help us learn to love one another and take care of one another and show the world that we're disciples by the way we treat one another. But friends, people will always disappoint, but we are not rooted in people. We are rooted in Christ. We can't move forward if we're not rooted in Christ. Some of us, again, need to learn to bloom where we're planted. See, the devil wants to cut you off at your roots, friends. That's what he wants to do. He wants to cut you off right at your roots. I believe the reason that Josh and I have, have grown the way that we have grown is because we haven't left when times have got hard. There's been opportunity. There's been chances that we could have, but we haven't left when times have got hard. Because I want to be where God wants me to be. And sometimes it's rough. Guess what? In marriage, sometimes it gets rough. Raising children, sometimes it's hard. Working the same job for a long time, sometimes you get overlooked. Sometimes you don't get the raise. Sometimes life happens. But when you're rooted, when life happens, you can still bloom. Romans eleven sixteen says this. If part of the dough offered... As first fruits is holy, then the whole batch is holy. If the root is holy, so are the branches. Some of you are not bearing fruit in your life because there are some things that you have never dealt with at the root. And if you don't deal with the root issues, it's going to affect the way you grow. Come on, friends. It's time to dig a little deeper time to look at some of those root issues. And this is my prayer for you. I found this in the scriptures. This is, the, this is my prayer for Vision Ministries, South Toledo and Waterville. It says, 
in Ephesians 6, 17, 19, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Friends, that's true peace. That's true peace. That you can be rooted in Christ and know his love and allow him to establish you and make you ready. Amen? True peace that makes you ready because, see, we need peace that makes us ready. A lot of times we can't move forward because we don't have peace. And that's a sign, friends, if, if you feel like you want to do something in life, you want to move somewhere, you want to go somewhere, and you try to go without having the peace, if you don't have the peace, that's a sign you're supposed to stay right where you're at. You're not supposed to do anything else. Some, friends, we got to check that because that's, that's something that God gives us to help us move is peace, okay? So peace that makes you ready, is, it's, it's rooted, but it's also effective. It's effective. See, peace is what guards our movement and advancement. Peace makes us an effective soldier for Jesus. Listen to this. We get our marching orders from the prince of peace. See, he says this. He says, peace I leave you, my peace I give you, not as the world gives do I give you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let them be afraid. See, the kind of peace that makes us effective only comes from Christ. That's it. So I want to ask you today, what are you troubled with? What's troubling you? Where are you lacking peace in your life? Could it be your bills are getting a little out of hand? Could it be your finances? Could it be your marriage? Could it be your health? These things come in life. We have storms. We have things that keep us uh, from always feeling good about everything. I mean, stuff happens. Life happens. But we can still have peace, even though life happens. And the way we can still have peace, friends, is we've got to learn to pray to get that peace. A lot of times, man, life happens, and, and we want to do everything else besides pray. See, we complain about our problems. We grumble. We murmur. We tell our friends, hold up, somebody. We post it on Facebook. Well, I just wanted someone to get that revelation. <laughs> we post it on Facebook. We put it on Instagram. We, we tell the whole world. We call our friends. We, you know, all too often, before we even go to God, before we even go to prayer, we do all these other things. And matter, matter of fact, we, we sometimes say things. We, we get to our wits end, and we just don't have peace, and we feel like we're not effective in our life, in our marriage, in our ministry, and with our children. We feel like we've lost all of our effectiveness, and we say, well, I've done everything else. I guess I need to pray. Come on, someone's heard that before. Come on. Because we say that kind of stuff in church. Well, maybe you heard it like this. Well, all I can do is pray. Or we say, nothing else is working. I guess I'll pray. <laughs> Friends, prayer needs to be our first response. Not our last resort. If we want to be effective and pursuing God, if we want to be effective in advancing the kingdom of God, prayer needs to be our first response, not our last resort. See, the book of Philippians says it like this in chapter 4. It says, do not be anxious 
about anything. That's another way of saying, don't be troubled. Don't be troubled. Take heart. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Come on, somebody. Somebody got to get this. You want to be effective? You want to be an effective Christian? You want to advance the kingdom of God? Friends, you got to hold on to your peace through it all. Through it all. So this is the thing. Peace that makes us ready to move forward is, is peace that's rooted. It's peace that's effective, but it's also peace that anchors our soul. The last time I spoke, I talked a little bit about our soul. Our soul is basically like our personality. It's our mind, our will, and our emotions. A lot of things we filter through our soul instead of, and God uses the soulish realm at times to, to, to do things, but we have to realize that the heart is deceitful above all else, so why trust a liar, right? We don't want our president to be a liar. We don't want our, our husband or wife to be a liar. We don't want our boss to be a liar. But yet we say, well, I'm going to just follow my heart on this issue. And yet the Bible says the heart is deceitful. The heart is a liar. So why follow your heart, right? We got to submit our heart to God's word. We got to submit our emotions to God's word. And so what helps us do that is peace. Peace anchors the soul. A lot of times if we follow just the soul, come on, that's why some of you guys are so quick at your mouth. I'm waiting for some of y'all to get that. That's why some of you guys, oh, I'm going to just let him know. I'm going to let her know. Some of, I mean, listen, this is me too, so I'm preaching to myself because, I mean, I've been so mad at certain people that I'm like, but God, can I say something? God's like, be still and be quiet. I'm like, but God, use me as your mouthpiece. I'm willing, Lord. Here I am. Send me. Come on, taking scripture all kinds of out of context, right? And he's like, be still, sit down, be quiet. Oh, to the point for 20 years, I've been praying, God, help my tongue stick to the roof of my mouth if I'm about to sin with it. I'm serious. And there's been times I'm like, "Eh, eh, eh, eh." but there's been times I've messed up and I've just fleshed out and God is like, baby girl. I'm like, I know, daddy, I'm sorry. And then I'm going back into help me. But this is the thing. I'm getting to a, a, a more of a place of maturity, not that I don't ever mess up, that I'm allowing the Holy Spirit to give me the peace that can anchor my soul. So when my emotions want to go and tell someone about themselves, come on, somebody. I'm anchored in God's word. When, when my feelings are hurt and I want to just feel sorry for myself, I'm anchored in God's word. When the anger rises up, I've learned to anchor myself through the peace of God's word. Somebody needs to get this today. See, Hebrews 6, 19 says, we have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. See, we had this prophetic word last week at uh, Vision Waterville, and I believe it's for, for South Toledo too, so I want to share it with you. It was, do not leave the ship. Do not jump ship. And it came from the book of Acts where it says, the, then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless the men stay on the ship, you cannot be saved. See, a lot of people today want to jump ship every time something bad happens. Every time the marriage gets all rough and, and, and you go through things. Every time bills are a little bit behind, we want to just jump ship. Oh, I'm doing all this and I'm so, and I mean, listen, we've all been, even the psalmist, he's like, but God, how are the wicked prospering and here I am doing the right thing? Come on. 
If, if you've never felt like that way, you haven't been living long enough for God because I felt like that before. Like, but God, I'm doing right, and look at this person over here. Come on, somebody. And yet the Bible wants us to have this peace that anchors our soul. And so this prophetic word about do not jump ship came up. And, and we have to realize there's storms that happen. See, there was a storm that was happening when these satyrians wanted to jump ship. But, the, but, but Paul had a word from God that if they would have left the ship, then they would have been lost. They had to stay with the ship. And see, friends, sometimes the storms happen in life, and we want to run. We want to dive into the water. We want to see if we're going we're gonna to make it, but we're going to drown if we do it like that. We've got to stay with the ship. We've got to let the anchor go down deep. We've got to steady our soul. See, something I love about my man of God, one of the many things I love about him is he's steadfast. Matter of fact, sometimes I want to get mad and I want to cur- curse his steadfast and say, you're stubborn. And he will remind me, baby, I ain't stubborn. I'm steadfast. <laughs> I'm like, okay, babe, you're unwavering. But I love that about him because, see, sometimes with my passion, I can get a little on the wild side. And, and I'm grateful that I have a man in my life that is a man of God that can help steady me. But what I have had to learn, that even when Josh isn't there to help steady me, the Holy Spirit can be my anchor because he's not with me 24-7. And sometimes he's tired and he don't feel like dealing with all that. Come on, somebody. Come on. Come on, Renee. I got to get one amen. Sometimes he just don't feel like dealing with all that. You know what I'm saying? Earl and I laugh because we, we say Earl and I are more, we're, we're twinsies, y'all. We're twinsies and her and Josh is the steady, solid unwavering, unmoving couple. And we're like, come on, let's take the giant down. And they're like, let's make a plan, you know? And we're like, okay. (sighs) Did you pray about it? No. (laughs) Come on, somebody. We need the Holy Spirit to anchor us. We need the Holy Spirit to give us the peace that's going to help us not run when the storm comes. See, this is the thing. Commotion is the best place for the peace of God to put on, be put on display. Isn't that true? What sets us apart? When we're going through stuff and everybody else is going through stuff, but everybody else is going through stuff looking like a mess and we're just steady. We're just steadfast. And they're like, what is different about you? It ain't me. It's God. It's God. It's the peace of God that passes all understanding. See, when you feel a lack of peace in your mind and your emotions are wacky, come on, I know it's not just me. How many of us out there sometimes feel a lack of peace and our emotions are all, all, all over the place? It can cause you to react in such a way that will leave you feeling regret or shame, or you can choose to anchor yourself in God's peace. See, God's peace can rule and reign in your heart. That's what Colossians says. It can rule and reign in your heart. Now, earlier I told you a scripture from Jeremiah, how the heart is deceitful above all else and who can trust it. I need God's peace to rule and reign in my heart. Come on. Right? I need God's peace to rule and reign in my heart because I don't want it to be deceitful and just go all over. I need the peace of God to check that. Because my soul can't come under submission to God. God uses our soul. See, before you were born again, before your spirit man was alive, God would speak to you through your soul, and that's how your spirit man came alive. God can still speak to us through our soul, friends, but we've got to allow the peace of God to rule and reign. I don't, where where do we ask Jesus to come live when we ask him to come live in our heart, right? He's got to rule and reign in our heart, and and he is the prince of what? 
Some of you guys are getting it today, right? Come on, wake up. Get with me because this is good stuff. And you guys are just looking like, what is she talking about? You got to get this revelation. The peace of God can rule and reign in your heart. He can anchor you when the storm comes because the storm comes, doesn't it? It comes. I don't know one person who hasn't had a storm in their life. It might look different for different people. We can't control every storm that happens. We can't control when someone dies. We can't control when someone's born. We can't control sickness and betrayal and hardship. It comes to all of us, but we can keep our peace when it comes. We can keep our peace through Christ. He's the only one who can give us true peace and true contentment. I love this quote by Lewis Evans. It says, the only one who can truly satisfy the human heart is the one who made it. Mm. You see, peace in the Old Testament was written in he- the uh, Hebrew, and the word was shalom. You may hear even still today, it's probably the, one of the most popular Hebrew words. You might, if you know any Jewish people or anyone who speaks Hebrew, you've probably heard the word shalom. See, it doesn't, the word shalom, it doesn't refer to the absence of chaos, but rather to an overall deeply entrenched sense of harmony, health, and wholeness in the midst of chaos, friends. Shalom. Some of us need to learn peace. Be still. Peace. Grace and peace, I leave you. Some of us need need to get that. Because, see, peace, it makes us rooted in Christ. Peace, it it makes us ready because it, it makes us effective for his kingdom. But peace, it, 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 it makes us anchored in him. But peace, friends, peace is deserving. And this is something that some of you guys need to hear today. See, peace is deserving to those who deserve it. Mm-hmm. What is she talking about here? Let me break it down. Let me break it down. See, peace is deserving to those who deserve it. The scripture says this, and this is Jesus speaking, and he's speaking. I want to put this in context. This is him talking to his 12 disciples as he sends them out. He says in Matthew 10, 9 through 15, he says, Do not get any gold or silver or copper or take with you uh, with it in your belts. No bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or staff. For the worker is worth his keep. Whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person. And stay at their house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. See, in that culture and still in a Jewish culture today, when they, the way they greet people is not just hello, it's shalom. And a lot of times the way they leave it's shalom. It's peace. That's, they're, they're giving a greeting of peace. And so he says, give it your greeting. In the home that is deserving, let your what? Let your peace rest on it. If it's not, let your peace return to you. You may remember the Old Testament where it says that, where it talks about blessings and cursings and it said, and curse. And it says, if you bless someone who is unworthy, the blessing will what? Return back to you. And if someone curses you and and you're unworthy of that curse, that curse returns back to them. And so Jesus is, is saying here, he says, I'm sending you out into the world and you go, you look for a worthy person, you stay in their house and you greet them with peace. And if they're deserving of that peace, that peace will rest on them. But if they're not deserving of that peace, that peace will come back to you. Friends, it said, and then he goes on and says, if anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave the house or town and shake the dust off your feet. 
Truly, I tell you, it would be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. Friends, there is going to be a time that you are rejected. This is not high school. We are not in a popularity contest anymore. There is going to come a time in your life that you're going to feel rejected. There's probably already been times in your life that you have felt rejected, maybe even for the gospel's sake, and that is the hardest one. I've had people lie on me. I've had people come up with rumors. I've had people say bad things about me, blame me for their own mess and their own problems of their own choosing. And I've had to deal with that. And what I've learned through that is this, grace and peace to you. I had someone just recently come at me all kinds of crazy about something that I had no control really over. And I said, grace and peace to you in Jesus' name. And if they didn't receive that, guess what? It's coming on back to me. I can't control anyone else's emotions, but I can control mine. There's one kind of control in the Bible that is good. It's called self-control. Any and every other kind of control is of the devil. It's witchcraft. I can't control my husband. I can't control my children. How many of you guys sometimes wish you can? But I can't. And if I try to, I'm acting in manipulation. I'm acting in witchcraft. All I can control is my own self. And that is hard enough, especially when there's a piece of cake in the house. Come on, somebody. Well, just hit somebody. Somebody's like, oh, okay, now she's getting good. Come on. Self-control is what I need. Amen? We've got to learn that peace is deserving for those who deserve it. Some of you guys right now have been carrying around on you some rejection that you need to shake off. Some of you guys have been carrying words that people have spoken over your life that is not true. See, I grew up and my mom would teach me things like this. She would say, there's always a little bit of truth in everything. And that messed me up for a long time. And then I realized, you know what? The Bible says in John that the, that, that the devil is a liar, that he is the father of lies, and that it is his native language, and that everything the devil speaks is lies. Sometimes the devil speaks through people. Come on, somebody. And sometimes there ain't no truth in all that. Sometimes it's a flat out lie and you've been listening to that lie for too long and you need to shake that lie off and you need to get your peace back you need to get your peace back you are not worthless it is not too late for you you are not undeserving we all are actually but that's okay because christ died for us so that when god looks at us he can see the blood of jesus that washes us clean somebody come on get it somebody you need to shake that rejection off you are not what your mom and dad said you were. You are not what your so-called friends said you were. You are not what your ex says you are. You are who God says you are, friends. And you need to shake the rejection off. Somebody needs to stand up right now and shake that dust off. Come on. Shake it off. Shake it off right off your feet. Don't let me. Hey, hold up. Shake it off. I ain't playing. Somebody. Is, is it just me? Come on, somebody. You Shake it off. Manuel, thank you. I'm so glad you're feeling me because the rest of these people are sitting here like, come on. See, the Bible, the, the, the prophet went to the king and he said, you're going to have victory. You need to get up off your deathbed and you need to shoot these arrows. Shoot them. And he shot them one time all half-hearted. He was like, okay. <laughs> one other time. Uh, one other time. He shot him three times and the prophet looked to him and said, listen, if you would have kept on shooting, you would have had victory over all your enemies. But now you got three. So I don't know about you, but I need to shake the dust off. Here comes this shoe, y'all. These shoes were given to me. Aren't they cute? Come on, shake it off. Shake it off. 
Shake it off. Shake it off. Shake it off. I am not who they said I was. I am a daughter of the Most High God. I'm a son of the Most High God. And I'm going to believe what he says. And if they didn't want to receive the truth of God that I spoke to them, that's on them. I can't control it. But I can control how I react. And I'm going to keep my peace, somebody. Come on. I'm going to keep my peace. Some of us need to continue to shake the dust off our feet because peace will make us ready. It will make us ready. And you know what needs to be under our feet? Not a whole bunch of dust from feeling stupid and feeling, oh, they didn't receive that. Satan needs to be under our feet. So my last point for you today is peace that makes you ready will crush Satan under your feet. Peace will put the devil right up underneath your feet, friends. That's where he belongs. Not in our, sitting on our shoulder, whispering in our ear about how we suck all the time. How we are not good enough. How we'll never be effective for the kingdom. How we can't live this out. We might as well just go back to our old life. We might as, it was easier when he was smoking weed. It was easier when he was in the crack house. It was easier when he was with as many women as he wanted. It was easier when you just looked at that computer anytime you want. It was easier when you used to just open your mouth and tell everybody what you thought about him. Life was easier then. Ain't he a liar? Ain't he a liar? You need to take him, flip him up off your shoulder, put him back down on the ground, and stomp on him where he belongs, under your feet. Because Romans 16, 20 says this, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. See, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. Come on, friends. The God of who? The God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. Friends, we must remember the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy top of that list that he wants to shatter is your peace. Come on, somebody. But peace, friends, peace is not only a defensive weapon. You know what? God loves us so much. He wants us to have peace. It's also a fruit of the Spirit. It's something that we can grow in. It's something we can grow in. It's something that can, it can be, it, it, it may only feel small right now, but you can grow in peace. God wants you to grow in that peace because we have to have peace in order to have victory. This is God's will. He will strike our heel, but we will crush his head. Right? That was prophesied in Genesis over the devil. He will strike our heel. Where's he attacking at? Our feet. Because listen, if our legs are taken out, if our feet, if, we, if we're taken out, if we had those low blows of the enemy, how many of y'all had those low blows sometimes? And you feel paralyzed and you can't move anymore. You're, you're rendered where you can't even move anymore. You can't even step anymore. You can't even keep in step with the Holy Spirit. If he if takes our legs out, friends. But it says he's going to attack our heels. But guess what? We're going to stomp on his head. Some of y'all got to stomp right now. We need to stomp on his head. He has no victory over us. No victory. If we hold on to our peace, we have the victory. I love this prophetic um, shadow in the Old Testament, uh, or foreshadow of what's, what it is in the New Testament, and we find it in Joshua. See, Joshua was a warrior, right? So much so that when Moses was up there getting his Ten Commandments, you have to realize that Joshua was Moses' armor bearer, and they were up on the mountain, uh, and Moses was hearing from God and getting the Ten Commandments, and 
Moses was coming down to the mountain and, and met Joshua there on the mountain. And Joshua was saying, you know, they're saying, what's going on down there? And Joshua was like, it must be war. It wasn't war. It was a party. A sinful, nasty, worldly party. But he was ready to fight. Friends, God wants to make some of us fighters in here today again, but knowing that our fight is not against flesh and blood, but spiritual forces of evil. So here's Joshua now that he's a leader. In chapter 10, 24 and 25, it says, when they brought these kings to Joshua, because he went into the promised land and he defeated kings, he said, he summoned all the men of Israel and said to the army commanders who had come with him, come here and put your feet on the necks of these kings. So they came forward and placed their feet on their necks. Joshua said to them, do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. Be strong and courageous. This is what the Lord will do to the enemies you are going to fight. Friends, Joshua is a type of Christ, friends, and through Christ, we can put the enemy under our feet. Be strong and courageous. It is a fight. There is a fight for your soul, but be strong and courageous. We have the victory, but you've got to hold on to your peace. Christ is putting the enemy under our feet, Hebrews 1, 13, until I make your enemies a footstool to your feet. Would you stand up on your feet with me today? There's some of you in the house today that you've, you've got to hear from God because the, the enemy wants to steal your peace. There's, there's, would you close your eyes for a moment and just focus on the Lord? Just focus on him for, for just a moment because I feel that the Lord wants to do a work. There's some of you in here that are waiting for your marching orders. You know that God is calling you to move forward and to do something for, to advance his kingdom. It doesn't mean that it has to be necessary in the church, although oftentimes it is. It could be he wants you to speak to someone at your workplace because we are the church. Four walls of this building is not the church. But you, you've been dealing with a lot of fear and you don't have the peace to move forward like you need to. If that's you in here today, would you raise your hand? Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for that. And there's others of you that know God and love God, but you feel like the enemy has tried to steal your peace because you have strife in your home. It could be with a husband. It could be with a, it could be with a wife. It could be with children. If you have strife in your home, friends, that is of the devil. It is not God's will for you to have strife in your home. And I know that's maybe a little bit of an embarrassing thing to raise your hand, but I believe if that's you today and you want freedom, would you raise your hand before the Lord? If you got some strife in your home that you know that God wants to set you free from that strife, he wants to set you free and give you peace. He wants peace to rest in your home. Peace can't rest where strife is, friends. Would you raise your hands before the Lord? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God wants to set you free from that. And there's some of you guys in here today that have felt so rejected by all kinds of things. I feel there's some of you guys in here that have felt rejected by church and church people that God wants to heal you because he's still got a plan for your life. Ooh, for the Holy Spirit all over that. He still got a plan for your life. He still has a plan for your life, friends. He's used you along the way, but there's more that he wants to do. And you have been apprehensive of trusting God because you don't trust people. And God wants to heal you from that. Is that you today? Would you raise your hands? Because God wants to set you free.